Hi listeners, this is Molly. Thanks for checking back in with us. Here is part two of our introductory episode of Irrigating the Desert. There you go. I think things are really working now. Rocking and rolling. We've got a lot to learn. I mean, we are um, we are professionals of the irrigation industry, but we are amateurs of the IT and sound department. So... Um, yeah, really, really getting into this, not because we know technology per se that involves sound, but hopefully we'll learn and get better. So, um, but yes, being the introduction, um, introductory episode in, uh, can talk about myself, I suppose, and why, why, uh, why I'm here today. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, we have the background in, in landscape design. Went to South Dakota State. Uh, go Jackrabbits. Go Jackrabbits, right? That's an actual mascot. Um, pretty fierce. Actually, have you seen a jackrabbit? They're large mm -hmm. and they, they move pretty fast. Um, at night in the dark, they're very scary. A lot of ear. A lot of ear there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um but yeah, it was, uh, you know, South Dakota, great faces, great places, really good place to be from, but it's a big world, and uh, having some worldly influence in my life kind of encouraged me that I could get out and see a, see a different place, make a new life for myself, per se, you know? So, senior year of college, spring break out this direction, and I, I lined a, a job interview up with uh, Mr. Gary English of Land Systems, and... Uh, Actually, back in 2005, he was, like, one of the only websites that was actually uh, accessible on the, trying to find on the interwebs. It was him and, actually, um, a shout-out to Mike Burke at Sisters Landscape. And wow, both yeah. of them had mm -hmm. websites back mm -hmm. then? Mm -hmm. Those were pretty much the only two I could find. And uh, I talked to Mike just briefly on the phone. And, uh, but, yeah, Gary, Gary was real personable and offered me that job interview and and when I talked to him that day, he offered me the job, and I said, sweet, I'll, I'll be back in a couple months. And so I uh, packed up my Honda with uh, everything I could fit in it and, and drove out here. So I'm not sure if uh, if Gary hadn't offered me that job that day, I'm not sure if I'd be out here. But it all worked out, and I've been here ever since in the in the landscape industry. So I think I, I found my calling. So um, it's interesting, though, working out here. You know, coming from a place like South Dakota where the soil profile is, you know, six to eight feet deep in places and you've got these, you know, beautiful grasses that are so drought tolerant and, um, you know, do so well in the, in the landscapes. We have very similar weather here, per se, perhaps, but we do not have a so soil profile, anything even close to that. So to think that we can grow buffalo grass and things like, you know, big blue stem out here. It just doesn't really happen. So we got a little blue stem. Got to be happy with what we're able to get. Um, but those those differences of that uh, the plants grow totally in a totally different way because of, you know, the water availability and the soil that holds onto that water and supports those landscapes. And so um, kind of getting uh, the 
light shed on the irrigation that supports those landscapes designs. You know, I'd spend so much time on where does the, the paver walkway edge line go to line up with the house that it's the perfect symmetry and a balance and yada yada. And it's like, dude, that doesn't matter because the irrigation wasn't right. And so that tree died. So then that feeling of, you know, your outdoor ceiling to your, your space is, you know, that landscape is going to fail if that irrigation isn't, isn't right. And so um, I had an opportunity to to kind of dive down that irrigation rabbit hole. And um, <laughs> I know the first irrigation class I ever, ever took by a shout out to Mr. John Lowe, who taught irrigation uh, design in the uh, entryway of Horizon, uh, move some pallets around and put up some desks and chairs and let's teach a class. Um, I attended that class. My first one was like the fall of 2005 and my eyes glassed over and I did not want anything to do with that. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. Wait, uh, that's, that's more complicated than I thought it was going to be. That's way more complicated. I mean, I just, I put my thumb over the end of the hose and the water shoots out farther, right? I mean, that's yeah. all I really need to know. And uh, I, for some reason, I ended up taking that class again at a later point and it clicked a little bit. And then, um, you know, wanting to to take my career further and become a, a licensed landscape professional. You know, the state of Oregon offers licensure in our industry. And, um, you know, again, I think there is a little bit of that, you know, being a, a female in a male-dominated industry kind of pushed me to take every educational opportunity I could to to further further my knowledge and understanding about what we'd be working on but then also to be able to defend kind of why I'm there is I, I have some knowledge to bring to the table kind of a thing so um, I sucked up every class I could and um, that's kind of the way I've uh, approached my career since and it's uh, led me to some pretty interesting places I <clears throat> actually worked with the city of Bend for a summer in the sprinkler inspection pilot program and that was really enlightening and and fun to be part of that pilot program and to help them get some feedback to develop the sprinkler inspection program they're actually using now today um pushed me in a direction to get my certified backflow tester <laughs> certificate which testing backflows like that sounds pretty boring if you would ask me that you know 10, 10 even 10 years ago and now you know being that 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 passionate advocate of clean potable water and how we need to protect that that backflow device is such an important component of your irrigation system and then to meet contractors who bypass that and and don't consider it a, an important you know component of the system or you know look past those things or um, you know, do their winterizations through the first, uh, or the, you know, fourth test cock and, and don't, you know, yeah. don't really care about what that's about, or they actually put their, their winterization port before the blowout or before the backflow device so they can make sure they get it blown out for winter. Um, you know, just kind of knowing what all of those, when you do things, the not, not the proper way, what that, how that affects you know, how that could affect what, what you're working on, um, and just wanting to do, do things right. So yeah, I'm kind of a nerd. I like to follow the rules or more so I should say, I like to know what the rules are so I know how to break them. 
um, or bend is them. bend them, you know, or, you know, just, I think it's so important to have an understanding of why are you doing something and what, what is your objective? What are you trying to achieve out of it? And then that should help answer why you're doing something the way that you're doing it. And is there a better way to do stuff? Is there a better way to irrigate our landscapes here? Is there a better way to irrigate the desert? And, and there is, there's a, there's a, a better way, a right, and I don't know if you'd say, there's a right way, you know? I'd say there's a right um, way. I, you know, I like to, uh, I always like to try to work with people and collaborate or, you know, find a common ground. So I maybe don't try to tell people, you know, that I am smarter and I have all the answers. So maybe that's where I'm kind of, you know, there is a right way. But yeah, you're right. There is a, a right way to to irrigate the desert. There is a right way. Mm-hmm. We can have a whole episode on backflows, by the way. Explaining the purpose of a backflow, what it is. Oh, yeah. Um, I have some disagreement with the whole issue of putting in backflows on irrigation when there's one at the main from the city. Yes, yes. Oh, that, that sort of redundancy. Some double protection there. There's a little bit of redundancy. I don't but, think that you can actually have a backflow event catastrophic enough between the city backflow <laughs> and your irrigation backflow that's going to affect anybody but yourself and but even yourself. their very low chance of that. Sure. But, I mean, doesn't it all boil down to that it'd be better to have double protection than no protection? Sure, but if I get one more letter from the city of Bend saying I need to pay somebody to come out and inspect my double check, I'll just take out my irrigation system. And then report that and let them know that you've removed it, and yeah, then they would take you off I, their yeah. their radar. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't need to irrigate the desert. I don't need to have that little patch of lawn out in front of my house. Yeah, you've got one of those nice little patches of lawn, like between the sidewalk and the street, even too, right? That's yeah. got trees growing in mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Are, are your trees being irrigated mm. separately than oh, your my lawn? Sp- no, no, no. Spray heads just. So you're trying to develop shallow roots in those maples out there that are going to be lumpy, bumpy, and then you're going to complain about having to mow over all those shallow roots when if you just irrigate those trees separately of the lawn, you know, you could alleviate that and kind of nip that in the in the bud, pun intended, of letting those trees grow. In the track home type... Uh communities that we have around here you don't get a lot of the builders are they want to spend as little as possible on the landscape i think general rule of thumb in the landscape industry is you want to spend 10 percent of your house value on the landscape yeah that, right right yeah. that doesn't it would be happen. nice if they did they don't right? even spend five yeah. percent right but especially the builders yeah and so when i move into this house i'm like wow this is my irrigation system. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, why would you not put one more head in the corner so it actually covered all of this? Why not? <laughs> they there's to... there's one zone of irrigation to take care of everything here. Are you serious? In yeah. the front there's only one zone? That's all. That's it. Like, wow. Well, just, I have a nice controller, you know? Oh, yeah? Four-station modular. 
for one zone. We'll just put another. Four station modular, nice controller. Shout out to any certain manufacturer on that. Sure, Ringbird. Wow. Okay. ESP. Yeah. Okay. But we could put one more valve out there. Absolutely. Irrigated the trees differently. Maybe put in. Right. You. Some drip you, zone type. You got that nice vine maple like right in front of your. Oh, that gets watered by hand. You yeah. Yeah. Doesn't. Would you, I mean you you know irrigation? Why would you not install your own second zone of drip and take care of your plants the way you know that they should be? I know irrigation. Mm -hmm. Cobbler's kids have no shoes. Oh yeah, that's true. You know every okay. every mechanic you see has six cars broke down in their front mm -hmm. yard. Mm -hmm. I just like to go out and. Watch it run, cry a little bit like that old commercial with the Indian guy. <laughs> the pollution, yeah. Yeah, shout out to that Indian guy. Who was not Indian, he was Italian. I know. I found that out and oh man, I mean Just to make it worse. I know. Yeah. It did and it made me feel worse that it's just like yeah, how much more can how much yeah. Oh. And that's uh Again, is it kind of part of that, like, you know, vanity? And you always, you want you want to just portray something that it's like no one really cares how how it's built or how much it... You know, like paper towels, like they take so much water to get produced. And then just to wipe up some little, you know, water spot and then get thrown away. Mm -hmm. I mean, paper... Ah, oh, there's just some of that if you really knew what it took to... To get that from point A to point B and make it a thing that's available on the shelf to you, um, yeah. I think if a lot of consumers really knew the backstory of some of that stuff, we wouldn't spend our money on it, you know? And then how do you feel thus about, say, the bottled water industry? Woof, I actually, um, I am proud to say that in 2016, it was my New Year's resolution to not consume plastic bottles of water. Nice. And I kept track of how many plastic water bottles I consumed even when I was spending time in a place like Brandon, South Dakota, who has been um, on the national news for poor water quality. Um, you do not drink the water out of the tap at a place like that. It is mm -mm, not good. So being there, um, spent some time at a friend's place. Shout out, Kata. Um consuming water bottles there but in the year 2016 i only used six nice six water bottles i um i'm pretty religious with trying to take care of my hydro flask and put water in that and and not consume oh i mean yeah there's there's the whole water transportation costs and you know resources that go into that in the trucking industry and such but then too even more so with that type of situation, it's not just the product that they're selling, that company is selling water, bottled water. They're selling us the trash of it as well and that plastic that's left over. And it's our responsibility as, as consumers to make sure that we get that in the recycle bin and that we take off not just the cap, but also then that plastic ring that's on the bottle that goes along with the cap, that you have to remove that as well. So now it can be recycled because if it has that extra junk plastic on it, it binds up the system and then they, they can't recycle it. And uh, have you actually tried to fight to get those little plastic collars off those, like a Gatorade bottle or 
some of that shit is super hard and tough and like it cut my finger and I'm like, I'm sitting there bleeding profusely. I'm just trying to save one plastic bottle and, and I, and I will have that fight. I will, I will work to try to make that happen. And I don't know what a difference it means in the big picture of things. Yes, it's one less ring of plastic that's didn't end up in the ocean and is choking a sea turtle, you know, like how big is that picture? I'm afraid it's, it's, it's large, it's super big, and it's really small at the same time. And to, to recognize that we actually are a cog in that wheel and we can make a difference there, I guess I'm terribly optimistic that I, I can make a difference. I got to keep that perspective in life because I don't know what, what life is like if we lose that that optimism that we could make a difference. You have to believe that every little, every little thing you can do makes a little bit of difference. Sure, it'd be great if everybody else did that too, but mm -hmm. I'm the same sort of geeky way. If I buy a six-pack of beer, I'm mm -hmm. cutting up my thing so Absolutely. You know, the seagulls aren't getting choked right. on it and all that. And I'm right. like, really, is that really making a difference? Mm -hmm. But I feel better about myself knowing that I'm doing the right thing. Right. You know, I can't make everybody else do something, but mm -mm. I'm at least doing a little part. Yeah, that that albatross isn't going to get choked by your six-pack ring, but instead they're going to die because they just ate all the plastic lighters that were on the beach instead, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's a... It's just... But there's people out there, again, trying to make the difference, whether it's one little Gatorade cap or one six-pack holder or the genius kids that are making up the devices that are going to clean up the huge oh, Pacific garbage kids. patch. Shout out to those kids. You know? That's the hope the for the future People right trying to make that difference and go, yeah. And then, even then, that's just taking care of the patch. There's still so many microplastics out there in the ocean mm -hmm. that are affecting mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. it's, it's insane. Yeah, it's almost so micro, micro, micro that we might not be able to get that stuff. Yeah. And that's gonna change the world it's some of the rivers in, again in southeast asia are almost impassable because they're just filled with trash mm. mostly plastic floating around mm -hmm. I remember going on vacation one time uh to the yucatan and driving down this road to punta Island and there's all this just trash all over the beach just plastic stuff that's washed up over time, I'm like, man, somebody should start a recycling program. You know, like a yeah. a tourist vacation thing where people actually come to pick up the beach on their vacation. Like, if I could organize some way to have people come down here and collect all this plastic and somehow take it to Mexico City or wherever it has to go right? to recycle it. I would set up for a vacation I like that. I think that would be rad. Yeah. But some sort of, like, environmental oh, tourism. It could almost be like an adopt-the-highway sister program. You know, like, there's yeah. sister cities, like, tree cities and stuff like that. Right. Or Yeah, that would be... But just go, you know, spend your time helping out and trying to make it better. Mm-hmm. Instead of just not thinking about it and taking that plastic bottle and mm -hmm. throwing it out the window of your car. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Growing up in South Dakota, I don't know how many times I heard somebody, 
say after they threw something out the window, well, that's why we got people in jails. It's their job. They, they pick it up. And it's just like, is, is that real life? Did that just happen? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, uh, what, you know, that, uh, act, think globally and act locally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Popular bumper sticker. Mm-hmm. Like imagine world peas. <laughs> I like that one too. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I mean, is that, it can't just be a bumper sticker. Like, that's just, like, cute, and, like, everyone thinks that it's, like, okay, I'm cool now if I've got that bumper sticker on, but still, I'm going to go home and wash my truck in the driveway and let the let the hose run the whole time. Right. You know, I got to I throw that in there, uh, you know, truck washing. I actually went out onto my drain field and, and washed my truck. Like, didn't park on my drain field, of course, just off to the side of it and used a hose that had the sprayer thing on it and right. tried to, you know, be efficient with that, or at least let that wastewater then go somewhere that could be beneficially utilized but i i get so geeky is that you know washing dishes mm. in, in, i'm definitely a, a shutter offer of the water oh absolutely and then i'll take water from my sink one of the things that bothers me the most is waiting for warm water yeah yep and you're just so you letting like, it run no oh. so i keep that water <laughs> yes and then i either use it to water my plants or yes. i'll go pour it on my trees outside yes but to not just have it go down the, right drain, down the drain right into the wastewater system no it like almost hurts like okay so water is life right yeah like water is alive we're mostly water Can you offend water? Can, like, you hurt, like, water's feelings? Can you abuse it in a way that it doesn't... Like, if you don't treat it with respect, is that where you get, like, backflow? <laughs> like... You get bad karma because you've some, been abusing the water. I'll tell you, there's something about when I go into a bathroom and I see the toilet lid open and that water is just like open it feels really disrespectful to that water that i have to close the toilet lid because it feels respectful to that water it has nothing to do with the bathroom and the aesthetics of it i grew up in a house where no one ever shut the lid like you got to watch out like as a girl you'd fall like into the toilet kind of thing no one ever shut the toilet lid but it's just something as i've grown up and i really have found this gratitude for water especially clean potable water if i don't shut the toilet lid i'm disrespectful to it that's just me i'm a special case (laughs) now again in an emergency situation i'm okay with drinking the water from the back of the toilet oh yeah but and i keep that lid on i respect that water Mm -hmm. but once you're in the bowl oh yeah oh i I kind of lose respect for you man (laughs) I'm sorry, you're, you might as well be on the side of the road picking up bottles in South Dakota at that point. You're criminal. But, but that water is doing one of the most important jobs. I mean, That's you true. really do appreciate that I, water's job, right? I love, um, yeah, our sewage systems mm-hmm. and, and not having open sewers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Filth. Yeah, I mean, it's so, just... I, you're right, I should be more respectful of that bowl water. 
Well, I found myself one point in my life laying next to a stream with the water level pretty close to my nose and mm. mouth that, you know... It, I mean, it, it's a stream, a, or did you wake up in a ditch? <laughs> what, what happened here? Woke up next to a river, okay. like you just say. Um, but it's one of those things that it, it's a it's a beautiful. I mean, clean water is a beautiful thing, right? Oh yeah. But if that water would have been just a few inches higher, it could have killed me. Mm-hmm. And you think of. It's just. I mean, it's just such a, such an interesting. Adam you know, molecule, it's the substance that we have on earth that, I mean, what other, what other, um, hydrogen dioxide? Oh, that's, no, I'm talking about water. Kills a lot of people. (laughs) Kills a lot of people every year. We should outlaw it. Comes in gas, liquid, and solid state. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's some fancy stuff. And that as much as it supports life it can also take life too and it's just this interesting balance that you know as i woke up next to that stream and i was like you didn't kill me thank you stream love and gratitude you know gratitude i guess that's the one thing to consider that we're working with such a precious resource you know precious precious resource his life water mm-hmm. and yeah you can't breathe it mm-hmm. i've tried mm-hmm. don't do that uh you can die from drinking too much of it which is a fascinating super fascinating, fascinating. i drink a gallon of water in the evening one time um i felt pretty strange but nowhere did i feel like at what point are you going to overdose on water? Is that like a weight to gallon ratio or like how? It's something to do with the thinning of the blood or something that oh. happens in your blood with having too much water. Oh, Which is strange because most people walk around dehydrated most of the time. Right. Just keeping the water balance in the human body is, is a difficult process. Oh, yeah. It's wild to think that there's some people out there that actually don't drink water. Oh. I've had a friend who, like, doesn't drink water. Like, water's in everything else, right? Like, I drink orange juice. I drink beer. I drink milk. I, I drink Gatorade. Um, all of those things have enough water in them, right? Sure. Just, but they also have a bunch of stuff you don't want. I know. Like, sugar. Right? It's all I can say because so I want all the alcohol in the beer, so I get with that. Maybe some vitamin D, some milk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Also as has we, a lot of sugar. In it as also, we're approaching but... the solstice tomorrow, shout out to vitamin D. Looking forward to uh, those longer days, just right around the corner. I was getting used to sleeping in. Yeah. Now but... it's just just about time to. Turn around and go the other way with it, I think. I'm over it, man. I'm moving to Ecuador. I need to check into their water system, but... Again, I'm pretty sure that right now it's 77 degrees in Salinas, Ecuador. There will be 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of night. Wind out of the southwest at 8 miles an hour. It's just pleasant all the time. 
shouldn't have said that. It's my secret. Don't go to Salinas, Ecuador. <laughs> Price me out before Everybody's I get there, man. Packing up and moving right yeah, now. Yeah, all three people that listen. <laughs> Your mom and Mick. Heading <laughs> to Ecuador. Flights are cheap right now. Now my mom's probably stopped listening because she's upset that I passed out by a river and <laughs> was questionably breathing at one point. I was gently sleeping next mm-hmm. to a beautiful flowing brook. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah. Any reason why does not need to be discussed. <laughs> it was a long day of kayaking. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So a lot of physical exertion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, it was probably part of that hydration thing that you were just talking about and the the beer. So a little bit dehydrated, but close to a water source so that you could drink some yeah. as soon as you woke up. Yeah, I'm not sure, though. See, I was planning ahead. Yeah. The Crooked River, though, I'm not sure if that's one is as oh. clean as some of the ones that we oh, talk about that no. are, are in our... Our area. No. Yeah, it wasn't off a little of a lake or anything like that, you know? (laughs) Yeah, not the river I want to drown in. Oh, it was so fun to grow up and get older and wiser. (laughs) Wiser? That's what they say. Yeah, I'll give it that. At some point, you're like, wow. I was so stupid. It's, Is every 20-something-year-old kid that stupid? Because I was really stupid. Yes, yes. And it's actually a miracle that you're even alive today. Indeed. Kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, we're all just walking miracles. Consuming other, you know, miracles on Earth and just, just you know, out there floating around, not even really thinking about what an amazing time and space we are occupying. I think that's the wisdom of the growing older, is to actually sort of go, oh, wow. Yeah, the wisdom of... Instead of running head down into the wall of the 20s, of like, Uh just, I don't know what I'm doing! (laughs) Yeah, that's a good way to describe it. I'm a, I'm a rugby player. I'm going to run straight into this wall and see if I can't knock it down. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, either the wisdom of getting older or the, you know, many mushroom trips, I'm sure, that have helped evolve. Well, any sort of time you can gain wisdom through psilocybin, mm-hmm. that's a bonus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Get connected. Like mycorrhiza? Oh, Ooh, mycorrhiza and mushrooms and how plants <laughs> talk to each other. Oh, my goodness. That's a whole nother. Have you seen Ooh. that, That I believe it was a uh, PBS Nova episode of how plants talk to each other? I think so. That is, yeah, yeah that's amazing. I mean, there's, again, you know, there's so much happening in this world that we can't perceive, we can't see, we can't feel. So we think that it's not going on, but there's this whole other world and network of plants and how, you know, even the the bugs and pests that attack and and want to feed and, um, you know, have those plants be a host for them, um, how they're all talking and connected and... There's a whole nother thing going on that we're not even aware of. And we're like, oh, whatever. They're just dumb plants. and uh, It's just dirt. It's just dirt. 
No, I mean, it talked about cation exchange capacity. Yeah. Right? That's yeah. how your soil is living and, mm-hmm. and how everything is, is changing. Mm-hmm. And, and, again, people don't look at the soil enough. And, as you mentioned, crust and dust is what we got here. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of soil. So being able to create that ecosystem below everything that's growing up here this is very little of the action going on with plant Uh, much like the blues are the roots everything else is the fruits you got to take care of your roots that's all the system you don't see below ground Mm -hmm. and that's one of the reasons i don't think people respect irrigation it's all buried beneath the ground you don't see it yeah but there's the science of hydraulics and and trying to get this water to where it needs to be and to be used efficiently and you don't care because you don't see it you can't see any of that either you know a little bit pops up for a few minutes every day and sprays that's all i know but that's really like the last part of the equation of all of it you know there's so much more that goes into that before a sprinkler pops up and spits out water right right but that's that's what I found kind of interesting when I first got into this industry is just how deep everything is, how many layers there are mm. to the onion. I mean, mm-hmm. If you have to talk about pumps, holy moly, when I started learning about pumps, and I'm like, well, that's a, that's a whole big industry to itself. Pumps <laughs> and impellers and volutes and how does this all work? Uh-huh. Archimedes, they still do that? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, a well to this, to that. And it got to the point where I just didn't get, like, getting yelled at by customers, so I needed to know all the answers. Uh-huh. No, I found it confusing. You're a paid professional. How come you're asking me, the guy that works at a store, yeah. that just sells this? That never made much sense to me either. But okay, I need to know all the answers because mm-hmm. I hate feeling stupid. So then, you know, you read the catalogs. Um, back then, there was a lot more industry training where manufacturers would be like, okay, come down here for a week and right. we're going to train you up. And so I don't know how many thousands of hours I have in industry training, but it's a lot. Sure. And I'm always looking to learn like when we talk about mycorrhiza i was one of the first people in central oregon that knew what the hell mycorrhiza was right yeah i was the answer rick martinson was like oh shout out to rick martinson i taught rick martinson what mycorrhiza was back in the day i bet you didn't know how to spell it though Did still can't spell it to save my <laughs> life and now with you know the pvc thing that's going on right now there's a PVC thing going on There's right now? There's a PVC thing going on. Uh, Tell us about the polygon. prices have gone up about 300% over the last few months. What? Yeah. And so they do, these large companies do force majeure to get out of all their contracts and the prices are all going up and they just say, hey, COVID's the reason, but really we're having issues with the precursor chemicals of PVC. Hmm. Well, that's neat. So then I got to find out what the precursor chemicals to PVC is. Right. That and sounds... then I have to learn out the precursor to that. And then I have to learn the precursor to that to really find out. And so I spent hours 
researching different companies like Westlake Chemical and Formosa Plastics, the history of the companies, mm-hmm. um, the whole process of getting ethylene from natural gas to the chlorinization of the ethylene to make the ethylene dichloride that you then make into the VMO that is the little pellets that become PVC pipe and plastic parts and fittings. Mm. And I just geek out on that. And it's so hard to find information on a lot of that stuff that I find it more interesting. Yeah, that why like, isn't why? there... Why do you think there... More information about this? Mm. But just... Yeah, okay, I want to find out why. And then when people come in and they say, oh, they're just trying to make a quick buck. Like, no, actually, there's a huge process and so much that goes into this, which, again, when we're talking about resources and water being this great resource, but then there's the other side of the coin where, yeah, I'm selling these plastic products that go in the ground that take so many resources to produce that, you know, I'm not thrilled that I sell plastic for a living necessarily. <sighs> I want it to be used efficiently as possible, but even recycling PVC is almost impossible. There is a place in Portland that's doing it by the ton now. That's wow. nice. And, well, what about, like, glued fittings, though? Like, the solvents that it takes to, you know, get the adhere to all the, the fittings together right. like do they does that I bet that has to like affect the recycling process that it's it is a really difficult thing to yeah try to try to work with yeah yeah let's put the clean potable water through plastic pipes and how yeah. else do you get it there yeah, well, I mean, again, you know, looking at some of those lead projects, you know, and like how how can you create an irrigation system without using the solvents, without using polyvinyl chloride? You know, is there is the HDPE pipe, you know, is that produced a better way? And then you can use compression shark bite fittings, and now we're we're doing a little bit more of a a green irrigation system, you know. And that's one thing is, even if that stuff was out there and available, there's so many dinosaurs in our industry that are just stuck doing the things the way that they were taught that there's no, um, there's no drive really for them to want to improve. So even if there is a, you know, a good way or a better way to install irrigation out there, you know, it's one thing to try to connect with, you know, just consumers, but then those contractors and make them really change what they're they're doing as well and so I mean it just seems like there's so many different um battles to to be fought in that trying to improve the way that we work with water in that in our industry we're getting a lot better in the industry with say for instance lighting has changed tremendously right halogen or even before halogen you know old incandescence Uh well lights tons of wire you could never run anything more than 100 feet to oh halogen revolutioning the industry to led that is really making a difference in less copper put in the ground for wire Mm -hmm. uh, more efficiency less use of electricity but we still haven't gotten there with irrigation. Yeah. I mean, pressure regulation is good, 
I know a lot of the stuff in California, if you're going to irrigate, that's why everything's purple. So they are using non-potable water. Mm -hmm. Reclaimed water. Reclaimed water. Mm -hmm. All for that. Uh, we just have this blessed curse of being in Central Oregon with beautiful, always potable, mm -hmm. not really that reclaimed water option. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh and it's interesting, I guess, with all those regulations coming out, thinking, you know, that's what they're trying to answer this question of, like, how do, how do you improve the system that's already so kind of stuck in place? And, um, yeah, just throwing regulated, uh, pressure-regulated heads at it. It's a nice start. <laughs> yeah, like, you're you like, know? okay, okay. Um, but... Pressure regulation, it doesn't help you if your pressure that you're getting is only 25 PSI. I mean, still, right. that spray head wants to run at 30 PSI. And so, not like, is, is regulating the pressure our problem? Is that, I mean, I suppose in those places where you have excessive pressure, you would have to say yes. So that definitely is improving the situation. If you have anything over 30 on spray heads, then yeah. Then yes. And it's nice to see that now they're they're having pressure regulated rotors also. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. So you get those pressure regulated at usually forty forty five. Mm-hmm. So if you're in a lot of municipalities that you know give you sixty psi to start with. It doesn't seem though like that's actually something that's going to conserve. The water, like that doesn't help the purveyor or where the water's coming from anywhere necessarily, right? Like that's really only helping the distribution uniformity, how the water's applied at that site. It would improve the aesthetics of that lawn per se. Well, if you're taking it out of the water system, you're taking less water because, again, your droplets are the right size, they're going the right distance, less affected by wind, so you have to run that system for less time. If it's misting and you're... you're not getting the water where you need to be, what most people do is they just run it longer. Right. But that's right. just wasting the water. So that pressure regulation, you're optimizing your run times so you're actually using less water. Is that... That doesn't... Like, are, are folks being informed of that, though, as well with these regulations? It's not just, like, coming down the line of, like, hey, you have to install pressure-regulated heads. But they're saying, hey, you have to install pressure-regulated heads. And when you do you will be improving your distribution uniformity. So now you can reduce your run times in your program. You need to make sure that you accommodate your controller. And if you put an X reg, you know, pressure regulated head and you have this nozzle in it, you should be running your zones for you know, X minutes. And are they actually gonna tell them then, if you have these pressure regulated heads, do not run them longer than X minutes because this, you're you're going to be putting down too much water. You know, like it's, I'm kind of afraid. I definitely agree that the pressure regulated head, like that does help. But if, again, if it's not used properly, it could be just as wasteful as how some sure. of the systems have been running before. So. So yeah, again, it is about that education. If they're going to put those rules out there, mm -hmm. that should it should always be explained the why. I hope so. You know, that's the and, trouble and with how regulation. This is you know, improve. oh yeah. You know, because if because if oh, I'm sorry, but all I'm hearing you 
hearing is that you're telling me that I need to be doing something differently now and I need to go spend money on something to do my how I've been operating differently right and I'm so frustrated with that that I'm not hearing anything else you know so it's you really got to want to try to work with those those end users with the consumers and not just tell them that they need to change but tell them why you know and I get we fear change <laughs> you know like a lot of people don't like to change but change is the only constant so always embrace change yeah there's um there's a lot of people though i think that <clears throat> don't don't perhaps agree with that 100 percent. that's the full circle back to society and not being a hunter gatherer type of when we make societies that comes from agriculture, that's putting down roots that's staying in one place. Uh-huh. So basically since the dawn of society, people have not wanted change. They want to stay where they are. They want to control their environment around themselves, mm-hmm. but they want to stay. Mm-hmm. Change is tough. Well, is there a... Is there anything um, good, fun, exciting, you know, makes life worth living, things that you got going on for yourself that you, that's, that's worth sharing with the people? Recovering. Recovering. Just recovering. Healing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's exciting. Mm-hmm. It gives me something to look forward to, mm-hmm. being back at full strength at some point. Yeah, right? So, yeah, the little things. Yeah. And, you know, it's the holiday season. Sure That's always is. exciting. Yeah. You can go over to the valley. Have you driven since the fire? No, I have not <sighs> been through the, the valley since the fires. Tragic. Yeah, I can't imagine. And apparently they're getting crushed with rain right now, so we'll oh. see how the runoff and the slides go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a good hands-on example of erosion and runoff in the power of water right there if you know you think about what that existing forest and you know you get downpours when you've got that terrain that's all healthy and how that can handle that flow and slow that water down and when something as devastating as a fire runs through the area and destroys that now what implications do you you know does that have for the for the landscapes and the areas around that and tons and the silts and the uh-huh. rivers and yeah devastating changes a lot of a lot of stuff right erosion slope cyclone soak mm-hmm. so many things that end up being yeah, sort of weirdly intertwined i know right? too bad you couldn't uh put the uh rain delay on that uh irrigation system there yeah. and the, <laughs> the downpours like, hold on we've had enough just Give it a moment. Yeah. All right, now more rain. Right. Yeah, that's tough. That's, uh, yeah, devastating for those spaces, and I I hope those those towns get a chance to, you know, salvage what they can and rebuild what they need. And yeah, never would have thought that that wet of a valley would have burnt like that. I know. That's the thing. It's so green and... Was. Right. And, I mean, with the with the river running through, and you would think that an area like that could 
could fend fend off a fire a little bit better, but to really understand how dry some of our green spaces are and right. you know this drought cycle that we've been living in for so long now that we're used to less precipitation but we really haven't felt the impacts of it yet and that's what I unfortunately I think is what we're starting to we're starting to see more and more of that and it gets closer to our own backyards all the time so it's keep building into it and putting our backyards there so that's one of those reasons right yeah it's um it's that tough balance there's uh yeah that uh put that level of was it homeostasis in the biodome and when that would get off and then the yeah did you just reference Polly Shore movie I did just reference a Polly Shore movie (laughs) nicely done (laughs) We'll tell some tales. That's why I say irrigating the desert, you know. It's more than just about putting water here in central Oregon. It's about bringing knowledge to the people, to the desert. Those so thirsty for this knowledge. Mm-hmm. Those, yeah, dry. They're dry. Yeah, they're dry. They need some water, man. Mm-hmm. They need to be irrigated. They need to do some learning. Mm-hmm. Now, I say it's about that ostensibly there will be sidebars definite sidebars I think you know again talking about mycorrhiza will only lead into tales of taking psilocybins and when you talk about growing weed hey there's the whole hemp industry here in central Oregon Mm -hmm. that's sort of sort of had an interesting path over the last few years mm-hmm. and the way that those people are using water and some of them illegally and and that's what's tough I mean I don't want to hate on our friend Mary Jane uh, not at all she is one of my besties we go way back hey girl um, but uh, the way that they're abusing our water supply in order to produce that does hurt my feelings and that needs to be improved so again It goes to that, you know, I don't care what we're growing, you know, whether it is, you know, a greenhouse full of, you know, annuals for some spots of color or if we've got a greenhouse full of tomatoes or marijuana or you just got a landscape with some trees and some low water use plants. To use the least amount of water to keep any of that healthy and then to produce the biggest amount of yield with those crops as well. I mean, that's that's what we want to do. So, and it's interesting, a lot of people don't consider that thinking a little bit smarter about how they're using that water. If, if they do some things in the, you know, with best management practices in mind at that point, how it will save them money and time down the road with less applications of pesticide, less applications of fertilizer, um, more efficient applications of fertilizer, how that how being able to tune in the water application will have benefits and you know conservation down the road with those other inputs and save money make money you know that's it it's all connected there so you just don't throw down 16 16 16 every two weeks that that stuff needs to be illegal triple 16 anybody talking about that even if it's just it's only triple 14 still you shouldn't be using triple nothing. 
Triple 14 in the super slow release in nursery application I'm okay with, mm -hmm. but some of the other stuff that there is no slow release at all, oh, you're yeah. just throwing down 16, 16, mm -hmm. 16, that's just completely unnecessary. Yeah. Says the guy who uses 999 with 11% iron on my lawn. <laughs> Very low application rate. Yeah, you like to have those little spots out on your driveway where you've got on the sidewalk where those little iron pellets land. Or you got a homogenous prill in that? It is uh, a homogenous prill. It's still 11% can. Well, um, I guess shout out to our but, buddies over there at Best and Simplot who know how to make some good fertilizers. Yeah, ballistic segregation, one of my favorite subjects oh. when it comes to fertilizers. So oh, we'll have to that's, that's, that's another topic for another day, but ballistic segregation, yes. Yeah, that's that, just fun. That might be where we need to bring in the uh, the video uh, capabilities of the podcast so we can show our listeners out there the the uh, visual beauty of ballistic segregation. Yeah. Plus, it's fun to say. Makes yeah, me feel right? smart. I know. Yeah. We got lots of lots of ideas for future episodes. Yeah, right? yeah. I don't know what it is about ballistic segregation. It makes me feel like I'm at, I'm at church and at the cop. You know, at the police. Uh, station yeah, at the same time. It makes me feel like I'm in apartheid South Africa, but I don't know. Right? I mean, it's one of those... Segregation just yeah. doesn't seem right. No. No. Ballistic sounds... Violent? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, I don't know. Did you even notice that I have on... Um, A shoe? My I, Not matching shoes. Yes, of course. Not that. But my... Um, my MP rotator socks, Hunter Industries. And, MP and, rotator And then I've got, you know, uh, a nice, uh, what's the um, DL FX light? Mm-hmm. Or DM. DL? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Path, you, path light. How, how did you get Hunter socks? Because I'm a super nerd. And uh, maybe you'll get a pair if they, they support us or uh, sponsor us at some point, but... Hunter has uh, hunterindustries.com has uh, great resources on their website for training and uh, yeah I know I just printed out my certificate like two weeks ago yeah about the, my... well they had their rev it up program this year where if you answer questions you get points and coins or whatever for answering questions and if you have so many coins saved up then you can turn it in for gear or raffle or something like that so like I think sucks. it was. I know, and they're actually very nice socks. So they're uh, they like feel good on your feet. And they're they're warm, and then they're just super fun because they've got MP rotators on them. Which um, I was thinking about this podcast and how it's going to be hard for Hunter to not be a sponsor for us because as a designer, the MP rotator is the best thing out there ever. So as long as you've got forty psi. Uh, and not terrible water quality that you're gonna to have to put in a super duper filtration system. Uh, you should be using MP rotators uh, here in Central Oregon. I'd say that's. Uh, I mean, their their application rate is almost reflective of our soil's intake rate. So it's a much bad, better application of water. It's more appropriate for our for our area here. So um, shout out to my my uh, MP rotators and. Uh, yeah, just my uh, my super nerdy socks. So. But just remember, MP Rotator people, mm -hmm. that 800 
does not mean that it can go on with your other MP rotators because it's twice the precipitation rate. Right, right. And that's what's super tough on those. And I think they came out with the 1000 series now that has that higher precip rate. So you could make one zone of higher precip rate MP rotators that would all match. But yeah, you can't put a short radius, you know, like a six footer on the same zone as the, you know, the 3500. Right. You know, unless, um, unless you've got some, uh, opportunistic sun and shade spots i've actually had to use um to solve some areas in a in a front lawn where uh, we've got dry spots and wet spots because of a sun shade application i mixed short radius mp rotators and actually the rainbird r vans those rotary nozzles with a standard mp rotator as well to help accommodate with the one spot was always in the shade and then the other area is in, you know, part sun, part shade on a slope. And then the other area is full sun on a slope the whole time. So it's this front yard that's just a pain in the ass to keep green. And then at the same point, it's not even large enough to, like, justify a lawn. Right. And then the client doesn't even have a dog or a child that would be using the lawn as well. And every year he wants me to come over and make sure that that area in the front that's on the slope, that that stays green. And I'm just like, rip it out. Or I hope he's never going to listen to this podcast. He might know who he is. <laughs> How about a soil surfactant thing? That actually is a great idea. That's a great idea. I had a trouble spot at my last house in my perfectly manicured backyard yeah. that every year just didn't seem to want to take in any water and I'd sprinkle a little aqueduct on there. Aqueduct? And it would green right Aqua up. Aquasmart? Pretty sure it's called aqueduct. Could be wrong. Who's that? Uh, it's a granular surfactant. They make a liquid one also. Ooh. Liquid, liquid versus granular, that's another conversation we can have here about uh, how we apply things here in the high desert and, you know, Liquid definitely has its benefits compared to granular and all sorts of... I mean, Central Oregon, high desert, is just a different place than most of the other places. It's unique. Mm-hmm. has unique people. Mm-hmm. Like Molly and Drew in the Irrigating the Desert podcast. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned to learn more. We got a lot of subjects to cover. We look forward to feeding your brains. <laughs> Irrigating here lifeless desert of a brain sure whatever (laughs) (laughs) oh i mean it sounds like we don't care about our listeners but we really do we care about you and your brains and your water bill and your education and the planet and Mm -hmm. water in general Mm -hmm. so we're going to try to do something about it we'll do our part you just need to listen so look forward to hopefully talking at you Again, at another point. To the future. To the future. Beyond. Stay hydrated.